starting a series this morning called Dangerous Prayer. Dangerous Prayer. We are in the midst of 21 days of prayer and fasting, which we do every January. And this simple series is to help you, to equip you to be a person that's dangerous to the enemy, that is. To learn to, learn to pray. Most people... Uh, kind of pray over their food and move on. There's a place of prayer that brings about great change. Matthew chapter 16. Turn there if you will. We're going to start in verse 16. We do have notes for you. Ushers are passing that out now. And then we'll go to Matthew chapter 18. Let's read the word of the Lord. You ready? Simon Peter answered and said, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Verse 19. Let's read this together. New King James. Ready? And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Turn two chapters ahead. Chapter 18. Go down to verse 15. Here we go. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, let's read this, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That was about... Three-quarters participation. Let's go for the whole thing. Are you ready? Here we go. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where there are two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do, what you've done in the first service, what you're going to do now, move in power. Amen. You may be seated. Again, we've passed out notes and encourage you to use those as we move along. This is a profound message, and uh, I have preached it before. In fact, I've preached this message nearly every year, and that's not a bad thing. I heard one preacher say this, if in your preaching... The message that you preach is only worth preaching once. You should never preach it at all. And so for the next 20 to 30 minutes, I'm going to give to you revelatory, what I believe to be revelatory preaching and teaching to put in the foundation of your spiritual house, the foundation of your life, that which, which cannot be shaken. This is a, a foundational block in prayer and the understanding of prayer that will change your life, and it is really important to understand why we are, the, the way that we have gotten the way that we are, the kind of church that we are and why we are, is this is important, this, this message, it's key. 
I played a lot of sports growing up, elementary school, middle school, high school, college. I played sports as an athlete. They call me a decommissioned athlete, but I don't agree. Anyway, they do a thing called uh, uh, calisthenics and drills. Does anybody know what drills are? I mean, by the very sound of drill, drill, or for the teeth. Some of your favorite sounds. Drills, let's do drills, layup drills. There's all kinds of drills that you can do in basketball, football, lacrosse, wrestling, on and on and on. Through repetition, those drills actually, you develop muscle, muscle memory. I got my carry concealed permit, and I, I learned through that time of training, through my carry concealed and through taking classes and shooting classes, that there's muscle memory that you have. There's, there, there, there's a muscle, does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a, there's a, a muscle memory that you have. And, and you, you, you practice. How many of you know about? I've got the coolest gun. In fact, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hallelujah. Muscle memory. My wife is a uh, black belt in Taekwondo. Now, she says that she can't kick above the knee, but I know for a fact that that, that still works. <laughs> above the knee, not above the knee is high enough. If you've done any kind of sports or martial arts or, or, or shooting, you have to develop muscle memory. The same is true spiritually. There are certain messages that you should go over, meditate on, and get it down in your spirit. You know you've got it down in your spirit when it comes out in your speech and in your actions. And it's not something like, where is that scripture? What is it? it it's right there. So binding and loosing. I want to preach to you message in a series, Dangerous Prayer, the power of binding and loosing. This message originally is from Dr. Morocco. I heard it 20-something years ago when I was a part of our church. I got saved in this church. I've probably heard this message 10 times plus and preached it another 20 myself. This message will help you. All right. We're in a spiritual battle. And uh, right in your notes, we're in a spiritual war. We war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Ephesians talks about that. So come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're in a war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in a war. Some people don't realize that, but we clearly are. Jesus repeats this phrase, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, repeats it twice. Now, when, he, when, he, when your mama tells you something twice, how many of you know you ought to listen? When, when, when your wife tells you, sir, something twice, you might not have heard it the first time. I, I just got a, we just got a black lab puppy. It's, uh, oh, yeah, oh. I think we're just going to call it dog. Because we can't agree on what the name is, so we're going to get there. The dog doesn't know the difference anyway. So we're like, come on, dog. Good boy. Right? I mean, that's all we got. We're going to get a name. We'll all come to agreement hopefully today. Hallelujah. But the, dog, the dog's learning commands. And I'll just tell you flat out, dogs, like children, you have to tell them more than once. Has anybody ever raised a child? Yeah. Yeah, right. You have to repeat things. So Jesus repeats this phrase twice. So perk your ears up. He's saying something. He said, listen up. Everybody say, listen up. All right. The meaning of binding and loosing. Now, I have learned, I've heard some new words out there that, uh, that aren't all that new. Slang. Like, oh, wow, I'm feeling the vibes, right? But that was in in the 60s. It's come back. Bell bottoms might come back too. Vibes. Oh, I don't like those vibes. Oh, those are some sweet vibes. Right. Okay. Awesome. Or lit. Lit, when I was a kid, means they're lit. That means they're, 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 they're drunk, they're wasted, they're high, they're lit. 
But lit, does it also mean legit? Legit's another thing. See, if you don't understand the, the, the language that's being spoken in, a, in an era, in a, in a culture, in a, then how are you going to understand what they're saying? I had, to ask, I had to ask my daughter, my son, well, what is lit? Oh, it means like really good, you know. Okay, because they're lit. And that's not so good. They should probably not be lit. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, not probably. So the meaning of binding and loosing, when we read this in our, in our language today, in the translation, what you have is a translation of the Koine Greek. You're reading a translation of the, of the Greek language. So when we read binding and loosing, you might have an opinion of what that means. I don't think I'm getting through today. So let me use another uh, somewhat of a shocking illustration. If I ask my wife to please pass me a napkin as we're eating some messy barbecue, which I might need more than one napkin, right? How many of you like barbecue? We're fasting. I better not talk about food. Jesus, help me out. I'll ask, Pastor Karen, would you please pass me a napkin? So she would reach across and pass me a napkin. Now, that's in the United States of America. If you're in Great Britain, bad idea. She's, yeah, she understands. Because in Great Britain, a napkin is a feminine product. So you don't want to be asking for that at the dinner table. Do you understand what I'm saying? This language. Everybody say language. So when it says binding and loosing, you need to, you guys are all in shock. It's going to be okay. Binding and loosing, it clearly means something, and many people don't understand what that means. We say, well, Pastor, how are we going to understand what binding and loosing means during Jesus' day when he said, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatsoever will be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. What did Jesus mean when he said binding and loosing, and how do we understand that? When you look at the, at the literature of the day, which for the, the time of Jesus we're going to call the intertestamental literature, it's a period between Malachi and Matthew. It's a 400-year period where there's lots of books that are written. Some have said they're the lost books of the Bible are in there. but No, they're not. And, and, and there's lots of books written. And what you can understand from culture and definition of words by the way the language was used in the literature of the day, same like it is today. So when he says binding and loosing, you've got to look at what was used in literature about binding and loosing, and that is what he meant. So I want to define that. And there's many opinions. But looking at it from the basis of language, two definitions. One, I'm writing your notes, binding demon spirits and loosing them. Binding demon spirits and loosing them. And the second definition, binding demon spirits and loosing their victims. Binding demon spirits and loosing their victims. To bind. My mother would say, Danny, that's what they called me when I was a little kid. Danny, bind, bind the newspapers. And we had a little roll of twine. And I would go to the stack of newspapers. And they taught me how to bind it. It was two different ways. And tie a knot. And then you could pick it up by the twine and then make a stack ready to have start fires and stuff like that. Binding, bind up those newspapers, son. Okay, I, I heard that growing up. It, it means to... It means to uh, to tie up or, or to shackle or to chain or to uh, handcuff. So if I was handcuffed right now, I would be bound. So it, by definition, using intertestamental literature to define it without naming all of my sources, you can go and study this out if you like. Binding demon spirits is literally putting, by the authority of God, and we'll get there, Shackles on demon power, 
and also sending them away or loosing them. That's one definition. The other definition is binding demon spirits so that they take their hands off of their victims. So if, if uh, Roger was going to try to try to bind me, come on, Rog, help me out. You're going to try to bind me, and, and then John Christensen comes and gets him off of me. I'm about to be loosed. So Roger's trying to stop me. I'm loosed. I got free. Thank you, fellas. So binding and loosing. Binding demon powers and loosing them or binding demon powers and loosing their victims. Do you all understand? Very good. And a look at how this is in the New Testament. You see the same phraseology in the New Testament. Revelation. Come on, someone say Revelation. All right, Revelation 20 and verse 1. And I saw the angel coming down out of heaven, having the keys to the abyss, and holding his hand a great chain. He sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil, who is Satan, and bound. He did what? He bound him. He shackled him. He, he, he put handcuffs, God handcuffs on him and, and, and threw him in, right? Mark 3 and 27. No man can enter a strong man's house unless he first binds the strong man, shackles the strong man, ties up his hands, keeps him from doing what he's doing, keeps him from blocking the house. Matthew 12, same thing. Luke 13, 16, go to this one. Luke 13, 16, watch this. Here's a lady, a daughter of Abraham, this woman. She's bowed over and she's, she's, she needs help. And here's what Jesus says as he rebukes the Pharisees and the Sadducees and couldn't seize and wouldn't seize right here. Luke 13, 16, should not this woman, so he sets her free and they're like, oh, you can't do any miracles on the Sabbath day. Who do you think you are? And he, and he begins to say, what are you talking about? You get your donkey free. Why shouldn't this daughter of Abraham be freed also? Verse 16, Luke 13, 16. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound, shackled, handcuffed. Demon power loves to handcuff, shackle, bind people, defile people. But God wants you and I to walk in the keys and the power of the kingdom that whatsoever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven as in the heavens. I don't mean the pearly gates. There's three heavens. The first heaven is the one you and I are in right now. This is, this is considered a type of heaven, in scripturally speaking. The second heaven is the place of warfare. Demons, angels, that's the, the, where the war is in the heavenlies. Then there's the third heaven which the Apostle Paul went to. Maybe some of you have had an experience of the third heaven. That's where God's throne is. So when it says, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, it's a picture of taking authority over demon power in the heavenlies, you understand. Wow. So, the, so Jesus, should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound, these 18 long, long years be set free on the Sabbath day. Wow. Amen. Jesus is saying he wants us to flow in that kind of power. He didn't just use randomly binding and loosing. He chose it because he wants you to walk in power. Jesus makes two assumptions. Write in your notes again. Two assumptions are made by understanding these texts that we read. Number one is that the believer, are there any believers up in here? All right, any other believers that are here? Okay, raise your left hand. Any believers in here? Great, great. Believers have authority. Now, you know you have authority when you use it. 
If I had a bank account that I didn't know about that had millions of dollars in it, would I draw from a bank account? Would I, would I take out money or spend on a bank account that had millions of dollars that I don't know I have? No. How are you going, how are you going to use something you don't even know exists? Many people don't, don't know they have authority. Oh, they say they have authority, but you know someone has authority when they use it. The believer has authority. Come on, say, I have authority. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood. There's this picture of overcoming darkness and the devil because you have authority. Come on, say it again. I have authority. Matthew 28, I have all authority over darkness. I, it's sick. You know, I give it to you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. All authority. Colossians 2, uh, 9 and 10, for in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form and you have been given fullness in Christ. The fullness is, is the understanding of complete. It means lacking nothing. So say, I've been given fullness in Christ. Okay, say it this way. Say, I am complete in Jesus. I'm complete in Jesus. So he says, you've been given fullness in Christ, who's the head over every power and authority. So stop for a second. If I am complete in him, and he's given me power and he's given me authority he is the head over every power and authority then what do I have now I am not the head of but I am connected to it in the same way that my beautiful daughter is a bracken she's my daughter she's my daughter she carries a credit card I pay for it but she can use it come up when she asks hello do you understand I, I have authority. I'm the head of my house, but my house is empowered to function underneath that head. I am not Jesus, but he lives on the inside of me, and I've got power and authority. Can you say amen? Most people, don't li they live far beneath their God-given, blood-bought authority and just suffer when God wants you to rise up and take your prophetic finger and drive darkness right out of your house. Come on, say, I've got authority. That's one assumption he's making. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1 and 3 is a prayer about how we would understand that we've got power. We've got authority. Come on, don't be like a stinking jellyfish for God's sake. Spineless with the, just floating around. Whichever way, that, whatever happens, the Lord loves me. So you got to ask yourself, and this first assumption, he's, he's, he's making an assumption, which is we have authority. you got to ask yourself, you know, Lord, am I operating your authority? And, and to what degree am I operating in your authority? The truth is all of us can go to another level of authority. And I've found that authority is always challenged. Listen, sometimes things don't go on the first prayer you prayed. Come on, like children. How many of you have raised kids? Okay, did they do what you asked them to on the first time? Case in point. Faith releases authority. Faith releases authority. All right. And there's a relationship between heaven and earth. This is, this is profound. John 20 and verse 21. Again, I say to you, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Stop. Hold the phone, Batman. Why did the Father send Jesus? To destroy the works of John 10 and 10. To destroy the works of darkness. So why did the Father send Jesus? Destroy. Let, let's get that clear again. Why did Jesus come to the earth? To destroy. So Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So what is he sending us to do? 
to destroy the works of darkness, to be his ambassador, to be his minister of reconciliation, to be salt and light. Are you, are you tracking with me? There's a relationship between heaven and earth. Now the Catholics, and I was raised as a Catholic before I became a Presbyterian, before I became a pagan, before I became a Buddhist, before I became a drug addict, before I got saved. And I understood, and you might get the tape or you know, listen to that later if you want to follow that. The Catholic Church used this, this scripture right here as one of the means or the basis for the priest forgiving on behalf of God. So watch this. It's totally error. Jesus breathed on the seven to receive the Holy Spirit, verse 23. If anyone forgives, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. They use that as a basis for the priestly uh, responsibility and authority for a priest to forgive your sins. There is only one priest that can forgive your sin. His name is Jesus. Really what this is saying is that John is talking about here is that if I share the gospel with you and you repent, then your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But if I don't share the gospel with you, then you don't have an opportunity to repent. How will they know unless they hear? It's this picture that what I do in the earth makes a difference in heaven. Angels can't preach the gospel. Wow. Which, the way that you live, the way that you pray makes a difference. Whether you get involved in ministry, don't get involved in ministry. Whether you be part of a life group or don't be a part of a life group. If you have musical giftings and you don't get a part of the worship program that's taking place, or we can make it. All right, how to bind and loose. i got to hurry. How to bind and loose, very simply. So you understand binding and loosing. It's binding demon power, loosing its victims, or it's binding demons and loosing them, handcuffing them, shackling them, right? Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. So he's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So there's keys that are required. It's binding and loosing the keys. And he says to, to Peter, and on this rock, and I really believe he's not saying on you, Peter. On you, Peter, I'm going to build my church. He's saying on the, on the, build my church on this rock of revelation, the revelation of binding and loosing. The gates of hell will not prevail. Listen, the church is, is weak and anemic in many places because they don't have a, a prayer time. One of the things that I assess ministries and including ours and assess or judge, not judgment under condemnation, but I know there's life in a church when I visit and I travel around by how, many, how much prayer time they have and how much prayer power is cultivated in that place. Prayer is the very thing that this is the number one thing we do. The number one thing, one number one thing we do is happen seven days a week right here in the morning and may it grow and expand. If you don't have prayer, you're not going to have a move of God. I've given you the keys. All right. How to bind and loose. Number one or A, proclamation. There's all these. This is a Dr. Morocco message re-tweaked re, uh, uh, by me. So all of these are P's because I can't. Think in terms of acrostics or matching everything. With some people are good at that, I'm not. But proclamation, everybody say proclamation. Proclamation is is declaring. It's proclaiming. So the proclamation. Where do you get that? You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. When Peter said, "You are the Christ," there's a proclamation, a declaration. Understand the very declaring that Jesus was crucified and rose again from the grave releases power, releases the kingdom, releases a binding, a shackling, a handcuffing of the devil's power, and a loosing of victims. Do you understand? So when I walk into a place and I begin to feel darkness, and that happens. 
Hello? When I walk into a hotel room, I almost automatically do it every time because who knows what happened in the hotel room? Walk into the hotel room, I mean, I'm laying hands on the doorposts and walking in and just speaking life, sometimes more intensely than others. So I walk in and I discern real heaviness. I just say in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Oh God, thank you. You sent your son to die on a cross to rise again from the grave. I declare the authority and the finished work of the cross in this room in Jesus' name. And I command every bit of darkness to be bound and to go right now. Proclamation. The proclamation of the gospel binds demon power, looses victims. Praise. But it's really worship. Praise, praise and worship. Praise is, is horizontal. Look what the Lord has done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look what the... He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise. That's praise. Worship is vertical. Praise is horizontal, and it's good, and we should do it. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Worship. Praise. Worship. Guess what just happened? In fact, you felt the entire atmosphere of the church shift. And what happened? I will just tell you that those of you that were distracted by your phone, we don't have so many manifestations of devils in churches now because people have cell phones. They can just manifest where they're looking at the phone. They don't pass out paper bags anymore. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Praise break. <laughs> but you felt the atmosphere shift because I began to worship. Worship and praise. Put worship and praise. I mean, there's so many illustrations, but, you know, um, begins with a J. Jehoshaphat, I got it. It's in my notes right here. Jehoshaphat, he sent out the worshipers and God did miracles for them. Paul and Silas in the midnight hour trapped inside a prison and the inner gates in the dungeon began to lift their voice and God made an earthquake take place and all the gates were thrown open, their chains came off. It's a picture of binding and loosing praise and worship will change stuff. Illustration from, uh, from the island of Yap in Polynesia. Uh, a dear friend of the ministry, um, uh, Sam Sasser, missionary to the Marshall Islands, went to the island of Yap and tried to witness to them and tell them about the gospel. And the chief Dupree of the island of Yap would let him unless he passed some tests. He was a strapping, athletic man. And so he passed all their strength tests, all their agility tests. He passed all those. And then the chief Dupree said, okay, you've passed every test. One final thing. And he began to clap. And all the men came out from everywhere. And they lined up one huge circle. And as they began to clap and tap in some unusual rhythm, two women from the village came into the center of the circle and began to dance at the clapping of, of these men. And they began to levitate. 
and they levitated up about 10 or 15 feet in the air, dancing, and Chief Dupree said, can your God do that? And Sam Sasser said, no, my God's not into that. My God can bring him down, though. <laughs> he said, no, he can't. He said, yeah, he can. So he walked off a distance, lifted his hands, and said, I love you, Lord. I don't know if he sang that song, but he worshiped. And as he was worshiping, those two women fell out of the sky, hit the ground. One lady broke her leg. And he ran into the middle of the circle, laid hands on her, as I recall correctly. Uh, she was healed. They were healed. And Chief Dupree said, uh, go ahead. What's this? What do you want to tell us? <laughs> Binding and loosing. When you lift up your, listen, the worship that we're doing is not just so you could just like, wee. It releases God's kingdom. Worship and praise releases God's kingdom. Number three. Letter three, number three, C, letter C. All right, I'm just trying to make sure you guys are paying attention. Promises. Promises. When he said you're the, the, the Christ, the Son of the living God, he's declaring also the revelation of the Messiah. And over 300 scriptures in the Old Testament talk to and point to the fact that there would be one, God with us, Emmanuel, born of a virgin. The promises of God are the basis by which you pray. That's a good tweet. Try that. The promises of God. When you pray God's promise, He stands over it to see it performed. Praying God's word is powerful. The promises. We're going to get to prayer in a minute, but promises. Come on, promises over your physical body. Promises over your finances. Did you know that there is demon power that wants to destroy your stuff? Wants to kill you. Wants you to have an accident. It comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and you need to take authority. You need to walk in your authority through binding and loosing. You do that through what? Proclamation, declaring God's word in your life. Worship and praise, three or C, promises. D, purity. Purity makes a difference. Holiness matters. Living holy brings a protection all of its own, and it has its own reward. Somebody say, well, it's my life. I can do what I want to. Not if you're born again. It's not your life. Let's get it straight. I can do it all I want to do. I don't want to. Yeah, okay. Not if you've given your heart to Jesus because then you actually, actually, if you've given your heart to Jesus then your body's no longer your own. And you belong to Him. And so the way that you live, is it's not according to however you want to live. Not if you're saved. We're to be his bond servant. We're to live for him. And I'm going to just tell you, you need to have paradigm shift. And there are some people that are like, holiness, I just got to do the right thing again. Man, I will tell you, there is a reward for living holy that is beyond anything anybody usually talks about. Come on, the Bible says at his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. God is the author of pleasure. He's the one that actually designed it. The epicenter, you heard of an epicenter of an earthquake? We just had one, 7.0. The epicenter of pleasure, you know who created it? It wasn't the devil. The devil perverted it. God created joy. God created, God created pleasure. His throne room is the, is the epicenter of pleasure. And when you connect it, him, which you without holiness no man will see the Lord now there's an imputed righteousness that comes because you believe on the Lord Jesus but then there's a lived out or a, a imparted righteousness a holiness that is rewarded I'm gonna tell you I can lie in my bed at night I don't have difficulty or torments anymore I'm I'm done with it I got a short list I got no list sometimes I have a list but I have to get rid of it you don't understand like I can't believe that he said that I can't believe she then we get offended. Yeah, I got offended yesterday. I had to get over it. 
It took me a little longer than usual, but I was able to get over it. I, I talked to one of, our, our, one of my, my staff, and he just laid hands on me, prayed for me, and I'm like, I got an attitude problem. Purity. I, ha- I had to, and I had to do some confrontation. I had to let it go. And why? To, to bring purity here in the church. Listen, everything's all in order here. We don't have strife here. I got a zero strife policy. If you want to make strife, you'll be talking to me or someone on my staff. We'll be talking to you. You're going to create strife. You're going to gossip. You're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. Why is that? Because we're going to keep unity. We're going to keep purity. Amen. And it's like a daily, weekly thing. Let's move on to the next one. E, prayer. Prayer, prayer, binding and loosing in prayer. I've been talking about that all along. But you got to have a prayer life. Personal, everybody say personal. If two of you agree, two or three agree. Why is it two or three? Why would it be two or three? Why isn't it thousands? Because I believe that you can't get discipled in a crowd. I believe that... Listen, I, I didn't need to be with thousands yesterday when I was bowed up. I, I needed the moment with my dear friend, Reverend Haggerty. I've known him a long time, and he could tell, Pastor, you all right? I'm like, nope, I'm not. I'm really irritated right now. And so I just, you know, I could have been all, oh, hey, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You praising the Lord, I'm praising God. Are you praising God? Praise God. Praise God. And then you have something stuck all up in your craw, and you wonder why you got difficulty and no prayer power. Get, come on, get it. I don't know what a craw is, but I don't think I want anything stuck in it. Come on. Come on, somebody say, get that thing out your craw. Come on. <laughs> Woo, I love the church. You know what I mean? love going to church? Come on. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Is it dripping? I have, the, I have like this puddle of water on my Bible. It's like a manifestation of glory, I think. Everybody say personal. Being personal helps things. I, I've got to close. But I was observing one of our King School of Ministry students. Now, I saw them before they were a student. They're, you know, love God and serving the Lord. But something happened. Reverend, something happened with that student because they're there with some random person with authority and power prophesying over this person. And I'm just saying before that, they were sort of shy and timid. But I'm looking at somebody else now that's not so shy and timid, not to being shy and timid's bad, but boldness, the gifts of the Spirit are accessed through boldness. And the righteous are as bold as a lion. So, I mean, some people's personality is more quiet, and that's good. That's fine. Praise God, because you get really irritated if everybody be like me. Like, ah, calm down. Chill. Everybody say chill. And we all have different personalities. But I watched this person. They have an authority and a power. You know how that came? Because they're meeting one-on-one in a group of people learning about the Word, connecting, talking with one another. It's not just some big group thing. Being personal. We're a personal church. We try to be. Listen, holding hands and all of that. I know you don't like holding hands. Honestly, I don't like holding hands with anybody either unless it's my daughter or my wife. I used to like holding my son's hand, but we don't like holding hands so much anymore. (laughs) Holding hands in church, why would you do that? 
First of all, you'll notice I'm acutely aware of sweat time. Because <laughs> I just, right? I know some people, their hands are sweating all the time because they're just on fire. That's all. And you take someone's hand. I don't want to hold someone's hand so long that it begins to sweat and feel uncomfortable. You understand? So I, I really, like really, I've got like an internal beeper that's just like, that's enough. Well, why would we do that at all? Because there's phones and every there are people that are on ch in church right now i'm talking to you online right now across facebook not not the ones that can't get out of bed or can't get here i'm talking about the ones that won't and don't because you don't want to be with people you'd better get over that you got to get over it real church can't be through the internet there's no way it can't be because there's no facetime there's no there's no touch there's no if my if my brother didn't look at me and said man you don't look good or whatever you said you got something stuck in your crawl I would have gotten it out another way. But there's something about that personal touch. Being personal. Letting your guard down. Binds demon power and loses victims. Last one. Presence. Everybody say presence. The presence of God. Binds demons. Loses victims. Lift your hands all across this place. Ushers, would you come, please? We're going to pass out communion. You begin to examine your life right now. Come on, begin to examine your life. Begin to repent. If you're not right with God, we're going to take communion on the first Sunday of the month. It's open. Anybody can take it. But begin to examine your life. Examine your heart. Are you right with God? If you're not, get right with Him. If you died, God forbid, if this is your last service, would you go to heaven? Have you received Jesus? Are you born again? Are you born again? If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I implore you. I plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled. You must be born again. You've got to repent of your sin and receive the free gift of salvation. You can't earn it. You go to church. Every day of the week, it's not going to get you into heaven. The only get you into heaven is by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Begin to call on Him right now if you're not right with God. Come on, just call on Him. Lord, thank you. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to come into your heart. Come on, start afresh. Start anew.
shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin I think we're just about served on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took the cup and he blessed it took the bread and he broke it he said this is my body and my blood which is broken and shed for you and as often as you do this do this in remembrance of me so Lord this morning this afternoon now we remember what you've done you were crucified and you were resurrected. You took the sin of the world upon yourself, and if we confess our sins to you, 1 John 1, 9, you are faithful and just to forgive us. Justice has been served through your death, and you're faithful. Oh, how wonderful. So we confess our sins to you. Lord, forgive us for where we've wronged you, wronged others perhaps, where we've grieved you. Wrong thoughts, attitudes, motives, lust of the eyes, the pride of life perhaps. Forgive us for where we were prayerless, maybe, where we didn't hear your voice. Wash us and cleanse us, God, right now. By your stripes, we're healed. So we receive your forgiveness and your healing. Heal our hearts. Heal broken bodies right now. Heal broken hearts. And we declare that you are coming back for your church. We declare that your eminent soon return. And we say, even so, Maranatha. So we receive your forgiveness, we receive your healing, and we declare your return in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. Once again, the crushing sound of the plastic cups is a picture of the sin being broken, the curse being broken. Started many, many years ago. Feel free to crush your cup or don't. It's all good. Pass your cup or the fragments thereof to the center aisle, and the ushers will come and receive that from you. I hope you got something from God. Now go and use it. Come on, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Walk in power, walk in authority. Come on, have the most amazing year. Be a person who prays dangerous prayers. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people, God. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight, 6 o'clock.